0: Thank you for listening to this podcast. The Ville Church provides all its resources for free. If you have been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving financially. For more information on how to give and other resources, please visit www.theville.church.
1: It's rainy outside, but the sun is out. Y'all feel me? It may be raining outside, but I promise you the sun is out, right? I got good news this morning, right? Um, Y'all can go ahead and come up and get yourselves together, whatever. I got some shooters with me today, some readers that are coming up with me today, whatever, my own flesh and blood or whatever. Um, They're going to be helping me out. Um, If you've been with us for the past couple of weeks, um, as we've gone through Holy Week and we've done Palm Sunday and we did Good Friday the other night with Dream Church, which was really awesome. um, We have been... I feel like God has been le- leaning me into the text really heavy in a different way, right? And so, you know, when, when, when these holidays come up or these traditions for us in the church come up, it's kind of like, okay, we got to do a Resurrection Sunday. It has to be bright and, 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 you know what I'm saying, and all of these different things or whatever. And you can kind of slip into the kind of tradition of it all, right? Um, and I honestly, I think the pastor's role is to do more than that right? I think, I think the role is to do more than that. I think y'all deserve more than that. I think God calls for us to do more than that, um, and so I think the job is to literally walk around the text and really, really dig into it, because I think just doing tradition or whatever, right, and and, and and not understanding what the tradition is about is just tragic, right? It's like making a monument that you don't even know what it's there for. It's just taking up space. Y'all feel where I'm coming from? So is more than that. It means something, right? The resurrection of Christ means something, and so I've just been trying to walk around this thing as we work towards it, Palm Sunday and all of, you know, in Good Friday and, and really look at it. And one of the things I've been pointing out the whole time, I've been trying to really, sometimes the way I work on my sermon is I'm reading the text and I'll jump into bed at nighttime or whatever. And I just start thinking about all the people in the text. That's like how I do the work at night. Right. And I'll just be like thinking through it. and I'm like man, Peter, man, you know what I'm saying? I'll be feeling this pain. I'm like, he got to feel like a low life right now. He just turned his back on Jesus Christ, denied him three times, right? I'm like the disciples told him they was going to roll with him and they would die with him and they just like, they just turned on him. Like, man, they have to feel really, really crazy right now, right? And so, I mean, you just think about it, right? They didn't understand the cross. So it's not like when we gather together and we're like, thank you, Jesus, he died on the cross. They did not understand what that was. They were in that place of like, what in the world is going on? Even though he had told them and said it to their face, they still did not connect the dots. So, you know, before they know he's jumped up out of the tomb, they are bewildered, right? The text says that they were, you know, like we read in there, like they were all together and they were just praying or whatever, you know, after he, after he died or whatever. And they're still like, nah, it says that they were scared that they were coming after them next. You understand what I'm saying? It's like, nah, you roll with them. You're going to get it too. And so they're, they're praying, but they're praying out of distress. They, they're bewildered. They don't know. You understand? They didn't understand the cross. They didn't understand the implications of it. I mean, they didn't even understand their own sin and their own self-righteousness, right? So I've been working through that as we work through the text. With Palm Sunday, I was working through the text, and I was just, you know, they had the palms in the air. Remember I had the palm last week or whatever and stuff? And like, you know, they was waving the palms in the air and celebrating Jesus as he came or whatever. And they're like, man, he's the king or whatever. And they're screaming all of these things of celebration. And meanwhile, Jesus is riding in town, and he's like, if they only knew who was coming through. They got it, but they still didn't get it. You get where I'm coming from? So like when you do the the, the, the celebration, there's a lot of tragedy inside of it too. And you can't understand the celebration unless you understand what's really going down. You get where I'm coming from? And so today, um, we're going to read through the text that goes through Christ's resurrection. and I got my friends along with me. They're going to read some of the pieces here also because I just want us to stop and, and, and take reverence um, for the story. But where I'm going to end up going um, in the text is um, it, going to be a little bit different than I, I would have assumed I was going to do. And so uh, y'all sit back, chillax or whatever, put your listening ears on and, and let us read to you, all right? We're going to be starting in Luke 24 if you want to follow us when your Bible's on your phones. And I'm going to take the first part, then my people, y'all ready for this? Y'all ready? Ready? i put put y'all in hooked on phonics early in the game. I hope I invested well, all right? Y'all ready? All right. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. In Galilee, hold on, hold on, hold on, wait, wait, wait one moment, I'm sorry. I just realized something. As much as I got on them and worked on this with them, I just started in the wrong place. <laughs> Lord, the Lord knows how to humble people. We're going to have to do a remix real quick. We had to back it up real quick, all right? I just caught it right in the middle of it. Why you ain't tapped me? You ain't even say nothing. Y'all just like the disciples. Y'all just going to leave a man ball by himself, whatever, right? You could have kicked me or something, baby. like, All right, we're going to talk later, all right? All right, we're going to talk later. All right, don't be mad when your Chipotle ball come with, come with the safritas in or Something disgusting, all right? All right, y'all ready? All right. Now we're starting again. My part's not long, I promise you, all right? So, it says, it was about noon, and the darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. For the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, in your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed this last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. And when all the people who had gathered to witness the sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. For all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Now there was a man named Joseph, a member of the council, a good and upright man who had, not, who had not consented to the decision in action. He came from the Judean town of Arimathea, and he himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen cloth, and placed it in a tomb, cut in the rock one in which no one had yet been laid. It was preparation day and the Sabbath was about to begin.
0: On the fourth day of the week, very early in the morning, the woman took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in the clothes that gleaming like lightning, lightning stood beside them, and the fright of the woman bowed down with her faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the son of the man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners. Be crucified on the third day and be raised again. Then they remembered his words, when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mothers of James and the others with them who told this to the apostles, but they did not believe the woman because they, their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb, bending over. He saw the strips of linen lining lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to them what had happened.
2: Now that same day, two of them were going to Jerusalem, going to a village called Emos, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? and what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things? And then enter his glory and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly. Stay with us for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them.
3: and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your mind? Look at my hands and feet. It is I myself, touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he had led them out of the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple praising God.
1: Come on, let's give it up for him real quick. Thank y'all so much, family. Appreciate y'all. You know, um, I want to land this today in a way that's personal for you, right? I want you to grasp the resurrection in a way that you maybe never have. And um, I don't know if this word is going to do it, but I pray that it does it. And I don't know if it's a good sermon or what kind of sermon we would call it, but I will tell you this, that as I worked on it, I was weeping through it, and, uh, and I, saw, I hope it, it, it lands on you with the same power. You know, um, when we look at the disciples, and you read through the text, if you keep going on, right? So, they needed this resurrection to happen, right? They needed something. They needed it to mean something. Like I said, they are, they're in a place where they're bewildered. They're smothered in their condemnation. They're smothered in shame. They've postured their life that they're about this, they're going to do this, and they're going to roll, and they're going to. They're devout Christians. But then they end up seeing themselves in a very real way. They feel like the worst of sinners. Many of us betray the Lord all the time or whatever, whether it's in secret or whatever it is that causes us, that easily besets us, causes us to stumble. But they're like, we didn't our back on Jesus, right? There's the trauma of watching what they watched happen on the cross. But there's also this extreme proximity that they were with them up until that point until they turn into the running man. You get where I'm coming from? So they are, they are smoldering in this shame and condemnation. So when he comes back saying and stands in the room and says, peace be with you. You best believe they needed some peace. You get where I'm coming from? They needed peace in that moment. And Jesus brings that peace. The resurrection releases this flood of grace and this mercy that just avalanches the disciples. Right? talk about the resurrection, but we don't always talk about it in the sense of grace that we individually need and how that lands on us. For them, it's so huge because what it does is it puts in perspective the road ahead of them and it puts in perspective the road behind them. You get where I'm coming from? Some of us have lived long enough and, and walk with the Lord long enough that we look back and we see these things that we utterly shamed for, that we made mistakes, oh my God, we missed it, but we've also lived long enough to see God take it and redeem it and use it for his glory. Right? So Peter's victories are in the text, and his shame is in it also. And they both preach to us. Y'all get where I'm coming from? That resurrection hits a split, and you get a whole nother kind of disciple on the other side of it. Right? You get a whole other kind of disciple. The ones that actually took off and ran and did the Carl Lewis when Jesus was pinned up against the wall they're also the same ones that were martyrs and died brutal deaths for the gospel. The text what's in the middle of that is Jesus coming up out of the grave. Do you get where I'm coming from? And it's not just that it was evidence and that he came up out of the grave but it also was them coming up out of the grave y'all with me I hope to get some of us out of the grave I'm gonna read a text for you I did not expect to land here today but this is where I landed and I hope it lands on you first first Corinthians 15 I'm gonna read it to you it says and this is Paul and he's talking about the resurrection in this text, but he says something that, 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 that hits me, right? He says, now I will remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Listen to this right here. He says, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, I, but by the the grace of God that is within me, whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so you believe. I know that's a lot. I'm going to back it up and break it down for you, right? I always have wondered how Paul deals with himself, right? Anybody ever have some stuff that like you maybe did in the past that you're not proud of? Sometimes when you're sitting alone, just the moment comes back up and tries to like shame you again, and you're just kind of stuck at it. It could be somebody you dated before, whatever situation where you crossed the line you shouldn't cross or whatever, or where you just utterly humiliated yourself or what it, whatever it may be, right? Paul Paul was a, a real savage out here, right? Uh, he, he calls himself the chief of sinners. That's what, that's what he describes himself, right? He calls himself the chief of sinners, right? He says, he, says, he says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ came into the world to save sinners of who I am the chief. He's Paul Apostle, and we know he wrote the majority of the New Testament, and he writes it with so much vigor and so much oomph, but you have this other side of the situation where like He's like, wretched man that I am, who in the world is going to save somebody like me? Is there a hope out there that can get a brother like me up out the grave? How, how you get me to come up out the tomb? Right? He takes a very deep, deep look in the mirror, and he carries this beautiful, beautiful grace and in, this in, in, in 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 faith in the Lord, but then he also carries this other heavy thing, right? So I've always wondered, how does he carry it, right? And He says, because I persecuted the church. He makes this statement, right? The other apostles abandoned Jesus. Paul sees his situation a little bit different. He's like, I persecuted the church. In Acts 22, he says, says, Lord, they themselves know that in one synagogue after another, I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of Stephen, your witness, was being shed, I myself was standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. Acts 22, 4, he says, I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering to to prison both men and women. I wonder if he ever hears the screams of Christians he's, he's brutalized, right? I'm just like, he has like real blood on his hands. You understand what I mean? And like he's, now he's a follower of Jesus. You see the tension in all this? It's a bit crazy, don't you think? I wonder if he hears the testimony of Stephen who was stoned as he was preaching truth about Jesus Christ. I wonder if he hears that. Like if that still messes with him, right? And I believe it does. Because when I was reading this text right here and I came to this piece right here, he says, look at the way he frames himself. He says, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. He says, for I'm the least of the apostles. And he says, I'm unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. That's how he sees himself. Paul, the apostle, the great apostle Paul sees himself very, very small, right? He's very aware of what he's done. He knows other people know, right? Acts 9 26 says this. It says, when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing he really was a disciple. You ever done something and people are afraid of you and you hate that it's the case, but you understand? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You understand why they don't trust you? It's easy to just scream about how messed up they are, but you get what you, how you may have killed your credibility. Paul, they just like, yo, he's a killer. You understand? I just want y'all to feel this, because I want to get past the tradition and get deep in it today, Right? In Acts 9, 13, the Lord, this is Ananias, right? And uh, he says this, whatever. He says, Lord, he says, says, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. He says, I will show him how much he will suffer for my name. So, Paul is a threat, but God has a plan for him. Paul ain't just a threat, he's a killer of God's people. You would think God's position is, let me just wring his neck and snap his little head off, right? If anybody mess with our family, that's how we would look at it. If somebody messed with our children, right, that's how we would, you know, that's the way, way we move, right? But God has a plan for him. He has a plan for him the same way he has a plan for you, despite what that shame, what those regrets may look like, right? Last thing Paul says to disqualify himself in, in, in relation to everybody else, he says, I'm untimely born. The Greek word, which I didn't take the time to get the pronunciation, so if there's any Greek scholars in here here, don't be hating on me, just come correct me in love, all right? Because I get people or whatever, sometimes they be like, you didn't say, you didn't say it right, and whatever, and they be going off on me or whatever. I'm like, man, it's all right, bro. Anyway, the word is ectroma, and it's, e- it's E-K-T-R-O-M-A, and it actually means like abortion, stillbirth, or miscarriage. Or, in their context, it could mean have a freakish association in the sense of something is off, right, or something is not right. He uses, we, we lighten it up in our, in, in, our, in our translation, but when he says that he's untimely born, he's talking about how people look at him like he's nothing, even his stature, he's judged. He's like, so he, he's even accepted that, whatever, right? It's so like, it's, it, it's like, bro, you used to kill Christians. You used to be at war with God's people. That's what you did. And you don't look like too much of nothing either. You don't even look like you built for the job. You get where I'm coming from? Anybody ever felt like that? What do you call it? What's the, what's the syndrome or whatever you need to go in the room? Imposter syndrome. You ever felt the imposter syndrome? Huh? Paul feels all of that. So I'm like, how does he do it? How does he do it? I feel it all the time. I wonder myself all the time. I'm like, God, what in the world are you thinking calling me to be a pastor? Why? Why? I get stuck in the past in my mind all the time. I get stuck there all the time, right? It puts you in this purgatory where you're like halfway like, like okay, I'm going to go do what I'm called to do, but then you're like, who am I to go to go do it, right? Just think about it. There's some of you in here, or whatever, you want not volunteer to do certain things because you don't feel worthy to do it. I know, because I've talked to people whatever, right? That's not a jab at nobody. I'm just saying. I didn't talk to people. they be like, nah, yo, I can't do it. Like, I was at the club. Like, I got a black and mouth on me right now. I'd be like, I don't care. Like, you know what I'm saying? But, like, people be having all kind of, I'm like, yo, the, the Lord wants to use you for an instrument, right? He wants to use you for an instrument. So I'm like, Paul, how does he do it? How does he carry this inside of his mind and then move the way he moves? And then he tells us in the text, he says, he says, so I'm going to go back. He says, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. And then he hits him with this butt right here. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. He says, I am what I am. I'm telling you, I'm about to hit this thing right here. You're going to want to go get the tattoo across your chest or whatever, right? He says, I am what I am. So what lies between this wretched past that attempts to color Paul's identity, that he, he, he's not faking the funk about? It's, it's there. It is what it is. There's no getting around it. What happened has happened. And this glorious resurrection from his past and now being a chosen instrument is grace. It's not hyper intellect. You know, I've cleaned myself up now or whatever and stuff. You know what I'm saying? I don't wear baggy jeans anymore. I just straight slacks. nothing. But You know what I'm saying? And, and, uh, and so I don't know who that guy. Like it ain't none of that. It's not that. It's qualification has nothing to do with this kind of putting some kind of fake song and dance on it's nothing but the grace of God you get where I'm coming from Paul is is, is he's he's in the same circumstance that happened on that morning so many years ago when they went to the tomb and everybody is scared to death they they're, 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 they're like we do 't roll with Jesus, we, we called him Lord, we called him king, we, we yeah, we know he is, but but he's but he 's also dead now, and, and we don 't quite know what to do with that right and then, and and then, and then i don 't like the way he died because i didn 't even die on the good side, rocking with him and all that. I died running from him, leaving in him in his worst moment in and, and utter distress. I turned my back on him, so they 're sitting with this condemnation and muck on him, and so when he comes out the grave, when they see him, it's not just a resurrection. Just for, it, 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 the resurrection just comes with this tidal wave of grace because it's like, oh, the king is back, Jack. King is back, right? The tsunami is coming. All our sins are washed away. He wasn't playing. It wasn't just talk. It wasn't just talk. Oh, he's the deal. And, 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 and he comes back with mercy and grace. So like, we're his children. It's on. You get where I'm coming from? They were in the tomb too. They're in the tomb of shame. They're in the tomb of regret. And then he comes out. And so Paul is dancing in this same situation right now where he carries this thing. And it's like, I know what I am. He said, but now I also know that I am what I am. I am what I am. It's so hard to grab a hold of being I am what I am when you're a believer. Because when you are what you are, you end up being lonely at times. You end up never feeling right. You ever go hang with your friends and you're trying to party with your old crew and everything, you in there and everything, but like, it just ain't popping the same way it used to pop. It don't do what it used to do. Right? You may try to run off and live ways and live lifestyles or whatever that like you used to just love and you actually know how to get down and fit in really well, but it just don't wear right on you anymore. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Right? It's hard for me to walk in front of my friends back in the day or whatever and I am a pastor now and they like, bro, like you know what we did, like, come on son. Like, you know and I'm like, yeah, I know, I know. But like, I ain't the same old G no more. You get where I'm coming from? It I needed God's grace to really grab it. Like I am what I am. Whether it's corny to somebody, whether they think it's whack, whether they think it's fake, catch me like, yo, you pastors be out here stealing money, homie. I don't steal nobody's money, my J. But I still I am what I am, no matter what anybody thinks about. And you don't grab that because you're just, you know, we have people, whatever, who are just they're just crazy or whatever, whatever they do or whatever, but like this is by grace. Paul says the difference between that's in the middle of this is nothing but grace. It's nothing but a gift from God that I'm able, with all these regrets. All of these shames, all of these moments that the enemy keeps trying to snap in front of my face and remind me who I was, what I did, and all of these different things, and thinking that I don't deserve forgiveness, that I don't deserve mercy and grace, that I don't deserve a resurrection, but the grace of God says different. There's nothing between that. There's no earning anything between that. It is simply a gift of God, and it is what it is. I don't care what you did last summer, how bad it was. It just lands because it lands. You just end up being... You are who you are. Do y'all understand where I'm coming from? So there's this, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Sometimes we've done too much. We got too much blood on our hands. We got too much shame on our hands. And there is nothing in the world that would make sense, right? Unless we are psychologically off for us to walk around, unless we're just narcissists, arrogant, hateful towards people, nothing makes sense for us to be able to walk and feel freedom after some of the things that we've done. Nothing but something like grace, something that is paid for by somebody else, something that removes all Of our sins. How dare Paul ever stand up anywhere and talk about righteousness and truth in front of anybody when he slaughtered people? How dare you stand up there and you talk about Jesus Christ when you've killed Jesus Christ people? How how do you go stand and lead in that? What kind of resurrection has this man went through? I want to hear something, you know, you, 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 we, we want to lean and think it's all about some kind of muscles. He's built up or whatever, but he's like, it's nothing but grace. Let me give it to you real quick Right in Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2 1 says this, it says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins, in which you once walked following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once and lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just like the rest of mankind. So he gives us the death. Now he's about to give us the life. Y'all ready? There's the resurrection in the text. Y'all ready? Y'all better say something. Maybe -hmm," something. "Mm -hmm." All right. He says, but God being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. says, by grace you have been saved. By grace you have been saved. And raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us, In Christ Jesus for grace you have been saved through faith that is not your own doing it is the gift of God not a result of works so that no one may boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in not a result of works so that no one may boast it says that we He raises us up with him. He shared in our death so we could share in his resurrection. Y'all with me? He shared in our death so that we could share in his resurrection. And it's not something you earn. It's a gift. That's what the text is telling us. It's a gift. And not only that, he got goodies playing with it. You understand what I'm saying? He said, said, we're going to be seated in heavenly places. It says in the coming ages... He's going to show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us. No ear has heard. No eye has seen. We can't even comprehend what he has for us. But right now, what avalanches us is mercy, grace, and a resurrection in our life. I don't care what you used to be, but this grace lands, and it's something different. Philippians 3.20 says this. It says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a savior the Lord Jesus Christ we're not even citizens here anymore our resurrection has landed we are kingdom people kingdom people are different we don't walk around stomping on people for them to serve them serving is what we do generosity is what we do giving is what we do because we've received everything immeasurable riches right so it says we were dead in our trespasses If you believe this, right, if you receive the gospel, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, to stay in this purgatory where you are kind of kind of in the tomb, it dishonors the blood that was spilled on the cross for you and I, right? Uh, Let me just give you a picture of whatever, right? Imagine when Jesus calls Lazarus out of the grave, Right? Y'all know the story, right? Lazarus was dead. Jesus rolls up. He has compassion. It's like, Lazarus, come up out of that thing, right? Imagine if Lazarus came up, like awoke from his slumber, dead to life, and then was like, my God, I can't believe he just brought me back from the dead. And then imagine if he goes, "Ah, I'm not coming out of this tomb. I, I don't deserve this. I don't. I just don't deserve it. So he stays inside of the tomb. This is how most of us live our lives or many of us live our lives today, right? We've been lavished with this gift of grace and mercy, but we stay kind of in this purgatory because the condemnation is still always on us. We still think it's contingent on something else we're supposed to do or we're not doing enough or we failed or something like that. But he's Paul is like, yo, the way I get along on the day to day basis is simply grace. That, that's that's what fuels this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know about the nightmares and I, I know about the regrets. I pass people. I did dirty sometimes. You get where I'm coming from. And it grieves my heart. I hunt for certain people that I took down some roads that I don't know if they're going to make it back on from. I look for them because I'm like, I'm going to run up on them and I'm going to share the gospel with them. And I've done it to people and they thought I was crazy. They're like, What's, I'm like, oh, you know, the Lord Jesus and, the Lord, and that guy saved or whatever. And they just like, what the heck happened to you? Like, you was thugging last time I see him. I'm like, yo, you need to come with me now. Come on, whatever. You, he'll go, holy water, right here, boom. And they just like, and I'm like, God, I want to fix it. But it don't work that way. It don't work that way. And my righteousness is not even it's not even based on if I fix it. I just am what I am. I'm just saved. And It had nothing to do with me. I just I'm just an heir with Christ. And it had nothing to do with me. He resurrected me from the dead. I was dead in my trespasses and he just I didn't even I didn't even buy it. I didn't have a good inkling in my heart to do it. You get where I'm coming from? Same Jesus that calls Lazarus out. He's calling you. Wants you to stop penalizing yourself for a bill that Christ already paid. Stop running up the late fees on it. Stop acting like you're in debt. It's already been paid for. God has already resurrected the situation. He's already done with it. Romans 8 uh, verse 1 says, says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. It says, For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. The sin thing comes with a death penalty. When Jesus comes up out of that grave, he was tap dancing all over death. Like the grave can't hold us. His righteous life that he lived, right? If, if we have to pay for this sinful life, but he is a spotless lamb, the grave can't hold him. Because the grave only got you when it got you. And it don't got him because he's perfect and he's holy and he's sinless. So he's a perfect sacrifice in place of our sin. Verse 11 of Romans 8 says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. He'll give you life. They'll give you life. The spirit is always testifying about the death. It's always testifying about the resurrection. It's always whispering in our ear about Jesus and mercy and grace. The flesh is always fighting the spirit, talking about, I know what you did last summer. I know all the skeletons in the closet. And the spirit is yelling louder and louder, you are forgiven. It is paid for. It is paid for. It is paid for. It's God has resurrected you. There, there, there is no debt. God is covered for it. It's been done by Jesus Christ. He's always in our ear telling us this. And so when we receive it, when we don't hide in the tomb, when we go, when we like part time the game, and like, you know, yeah, I'm saved. Jesus loves me or whatever. I know all of these things or whatever. But when we realize that this thing is, it's all grace, you run about the tomb, right? You run about out of it. And this is what Paul says. I'm going to bring this to a close in a minute. In the verse 10 he says and the rest of it he says, and his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that was in me. He fully has a resurrection right? From from how we call it like Saul and Paul and that's not really theologically correct or whatever stuff, because anyway, I'll go into it later, but he's still Saul and he's still Paul, but he's not the same old person, and there's nothing but grace in the middle of it, but he receives that grace. He gets along with that grace, and it causes him to work. He's not standing in the tomb. He's not. He's not walking around being dragged by all of the stuff he did. He's not... He, he, he's, he, he's not sitting around like, who, who am I to be an apostle? He's very aware of the circumstances, but he is aware that this thing is completely all about the grace of God. And if we don't live in that space of with this being about the grace of God, then we actually are living in something that is a false theology. Because the works thing has no power whatsoever. The works thing is always about our flesh and us proving and us trying to make a way to, to, to make ourselves uh, lovable or, or receivable or enough for God and it doesn't exist. He sent his son to handle that issue for us. Y'all with me so far? So what do we do in light of this? What does it look like to allow this resurrection tidal wave of grace, right, that comes from the resurrection of Christ, this thing that has been going, because it's still hidden, right? The word says that his mercy is made new every single day. Each morning it says that his mercy is made new. So, So we get to have a resurrection daily. I don't know how you went to sleep last night, but you get to wake up and there's nothing but mercy and grace. I don't know if you turned your back on somebody last night or you left them, you know, pinned to a figurative cross or whatever, but there's mercy. There's grace. Each morning. Some of the practical ways you step into this. Because I know this isn't an easter sermon. So everybody might be like, that's me, you got me, right? You know what I'm saying? But maybe in your quiet time, right? Practical step is repent. Always have grace and mercy. If you feel like you've been kind of halfway in the tomb and like, Lord, I believe you, but you know, know, I'm still a man. And you you never step forward. You never raise your hand because you don't feel that you are worthy of it. Paul said, I'm a walking freak show. That was his exclamation on on his unworthiness. So maybe you did all the stuff that you think you did. Maybe you fall short in all the ways that you fall short. Maybe that actually is the reality. But what the text is saying is that where you fall short, God's mercy and grace falls long. That's what Paul is saying. It's grace in the middle of it. I don't have to deserve it. I don't have to be good enough for it. I don't even have to be fully qualified for it. I don't have to have all the degrees to go with it. God is going to show up. He's already showed up. He's already left the tomb. He's already left the tomb and he is alive and he's alive in my life and he's alive in my circumstances. So we step into that but we just repent. That's a gift for the children of God, we get to repent. God, I've been playing halfway in, halfway out. God, I've been over here beating myself to death, death or whatever and it's caused me to be stuck in certain situations in certain places, or whatever, because I don't feel worthy enough to do anything, to say anything, to have a voice in the matter. Let me, let me share a secret with y'all to help liberate y'all. I have been in mad places. With mad people that from, from the president to to Ted talks, Good Morning America. Everybody I met sucks, just like me. I'm just telling you the truth. I went in places with imposter syndrome and then you get meetings and people start talking and you're like, I thought these were the geniuses. They don't they don't know what in the world they're talking about. Everybody's not as smart as you think, right? I surely am not show up. God has made you perfect the way he wants you to be. He's put you through experiences in life, and there's so many rooms that needs your light. It just is what it is. Y'all, I'm going to end with this right here. It's 1 Corinthians 15. It's 1 Corinthians 15, and I love this text to end off to end um, this morning because the uh, subtitle says, says mystery and victory. First Corinthians 15 is verse 50 and it says this it says I tell you this brothers flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable behold I tell you a mystery we shall not all sleep but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed for this imperishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality when the perishable puts on the imperishable excuse me when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal b- mortal puts on immortality then shall come to pass the saying that is written death is swallowed up in victory o death where is your st- wh- excuse me o death where is your victory o death where is your sting the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always bounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Church, I end this with that this morning. The exclamation point I just want you to catch in it is that the sting of death is done. You don't have to hang back in a tomb. You don't have to penalize yourself. It has no power over you. Right? If it's a thought, if it's a regret, just cast it down and keep moving and grooving because you have everything in the world when you're a follower of Christ Jesus. Right? And if you don't know that, if you don't have that, if you don't believe you know what that actually is, when we do communion, you can just grab me and I'll pray with you and then we'll baptize you. Not today, but we'll baptize you whatever. Right? And we'll work through that. We'll talk through it. So let's all stand. We're gonna um, we're gonna do communion.